Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Has it been such a great day already? Can we just thank the Lord for all that He has done, all that He's doing? And uh, I just want to give a special shout out to all the dads in the house. Come on, can we thank the dads in the house? I'm uh, grateful today to be able to celebrate that with all the dads and uh, and being a a father and standing up here today and uh, being able to proudly say that, uh, that I can be included in, in that number. I also am one that I, I grew up uh, without a father. My wife and I both did. And, uh, and so I know that there are some in the, in the room that don't get to celebrate that in the same way, or maybe your father has passed on. I just want to encourage you with this. God, our heavenly father, is the ultimate dad. Can we just thank Abba Father, our father in heaven, for that? So even as a dad, I'm grateful that I have that dad to look up to uh, for, for everything that I'll ever need and everything that I'll ever uh, need direction on. He is the dad that I can depend on. Um, and, uh, but so grateful for all the dads in the room and how we get to celebrate that today. Um, I'm also grateful that I get to be standing up here at this section of the service. Normally I get to do the music and I, you see me up here playing guitar or leading that way. And now I get to be up here and preach and what an honor and a privilege it is to, uh, to be up here and to bring God's word to you today. So I just wanna say a thank you uh, to Pastor Travis and his family for giving me the opportunity to be a pastor here on staff and to have the opportunity to bring God's word uh, to you today. Can we just honor our pastor? for all that he has done to lead our group. And I have an a, a incredible word uh, that, that God has given us today. And we're gonna follow right along with the, uh, the Faith at Work series. And so we're gonna be in James chapter two. Uh, but I just want to let you know what an opportunity this is uh, for me to be able to stand here and to bring God's word. So if you have uh, your app or your um, the Bible on your phone, or you actually have a Bible, go ahead and be turning to James chapter two. And uh, the book of James so far, as we've been walking through, it has been encouraging us to live out our faith. Chapter one was all about giving the, uh, the building blocks for how we live out our faith. It's not just about hearing the word, but also doing the word or living out the word of God. And we know what we know of God is to be lived out in our personal lives, but also in the church. So we as believers, we have faith and we walk our faith out, we live that out, and then we come together as the church and we get to do that together. Now, I wanna remind you, when, when James was writing this letter to Christians, there, there was no such thing as chapters and verses. So what we see today with chapters and verses is just directional things for us to know, hey, we're gonna be in chapter two. Uh, This was just one solid letter, like you would sit down and write an email or you would handwrite a letter. Uh, This is what James was doing. So when we get to the end of chapter one, it's not like you're reading a book and you, you know, it's like a, a new, new section of the, the book where you go on to the next chapter. No, James, James is writing this letter and he, he, he ends with chapter one and goes right into chapter two. So what we see at the end of chapter one says a lot about what we're about to face or, or read in the beginning of chapter two. And so what I want, I want to preface that because what we had just come off of one understanding is that 
we are to be hearers of the word, but then we also to be doers, to live out. And then he goes into this section where he's gonna make it real personal, real quick. So he says, hear the word, do the word, but let me show you some things that you're not doing. Let me show you some things that you need to be working on. And so he, he makes it personal. And uh, if, how many of you are from the South? Anybody from the South? All right. So if you finish this phrase. When you have someone that starts preaching a message and then they take it personal, in the South, we say he's stopped preaching and he's gone meddling, right? How many, how many of you heard that phrase before? He stopped preaching, he's gone to meddling. In other words, he's getting really specific about what's going on in my personal life. He's getting real personal real quick. And James kind of does that here. So if James is doing that with the, the Christians centuries ago, what does it have to do with us in 2022? And that's a great question uh, because I think it has a lot to do with every believer at any time in all of history because we all face uh, something to do with what James is talking about today. Today, I wanna to talk to you about this, mercy over judgment, mercy over judgment. James is speaking to Christians in a time when favoritism or partiality or prejudice was given to people of a certain class of wealth. He's gonna talk here, and we're gonna see in just a minute in James chapter two, where there was, there was preferential treatment given to those who may have had a little bit more money because of how they felt that would impact their, their life. But the reality was that's not the way God intended it. And it may be easy for us to think, well, this doesn't really apply to me. I don't have any problem with people who, if they're rich or if they're poor, uh, but this is a much bigger picture showing favoritism or partiality or, or, or prejudice than just whether someone's rich or poor. This was just, a, this was just an idea or this was just a, a specific that James was pulling out to, to highlight what he was trying to say. So for all of us, I think we deal with this in some way, in some fashion. Let, let me see if I can illustrate. How many of you have ever been to a restaurant and had a bad experience? Yeah, every hand should be in the air. We've all been there. How many of you have been to a restaurant, had a bad experience and have chosen not to go back to that restaurant? Sure. Now, how many of you have had a bad experience at a restaurant and because it's a chain, they have one in another city. And because of the bad experiences you had at this one, you chose not to go to this one because of that bad experience you had over here, right? So in other words, we said, well, they're all the same. Did we, did we not say that? Did we not just make things prejudiced there? Did we not just say, well, if it's that restaurant, then it's all restaurants. If it's that server, then it's all their servers. If it's that person, then it's all these people. Well, let's bring it closer to home. How many of us have ever driven in our neighborhood and we see the outside of someone's home and shrubs are growing up and the lawn is not taken care of and there's weeds growing all in the sidewalk and there's the, you can tell it needs to be pressure washed and there's, uh, the, the gutters are filled to the, to the brim with leaves and, and twigs. And in your mind, you're thinking, I know what's going on inside that house because I see what the outside of the house looks like. Have we ever been there? We've made a judgment call based on what we see on the outside, the external, We've made a decision on what's going on inside the house. 
Let me put it this way. How many of us have walked or driven another direction because if we know we continue down this way, we're gonna encounter someone who is homeless or in need and we just know they're gonna hit us up for money or they're gonna ask us to help them out. How many of us have turned the other way to go the other direction? Or we see someone who is sick or in pain and we make a decision not to stop and help them based on the way they look or how they smell or how they dress. You know, before, uh, there, was a sec- there was a time in my life where I worked at Universal Studios in the entertainment uh, department and, and we had to audition for every role that we were, were ever given. Um, I happened to audition for a show and I was a singing and dancing Frankenstein. You can go to my social media and there's still pictures out there. Um, so that was the role I had. But in order to get to that, that point, there had to be several um, steps in the audition process. And the very, one of the ver- first steps that they do is they would bring in all the guys that wanted to audition. They would just line us up in this line and we didn't have to speak. We didn't have to sing. We didn't have to dance. All they wanted to do is look at us and say, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no. All right. If you're yes, you stay. If you're no, we'll see you later. And that was it. We call that typecasting. And all they were doing was just looking at our external, our, our physical makeup to decide if we were going to fit the part that they were trying to cast. So my question for us as the church is have we ever been in a situation where we've encountered someone walking in our lobby or walking down our aisles or walking across the row and we've made a decision in our mind about who they are and what they are based on how they looked on the outside. James is talking about that to the church, to the Christian today. So this is how that all works. In chapter two, we're gonna see this. The external, what we see on the external becomes our perception of somebody. So we, we look with our eyes, we see the outer whatever, and we begin to make, in our, make a decision in our mind about that person. And then that perception turns into a quick assessment. That quick assessment begins to create an attitude within us. Could be good or bad. This isn't, nece- this isn't necessarily all negative. Sometimes we see someone and we have a good attitude about what we see. Sometimes we see someone and we don't have a good attitude. That attitude then becomes a distinctive behavior, which will then lead to actions. And then our actions, whether good or bad, our motives can turn into a lifestyle. So I was talking about the, the restaurant thing, like you, you, you experience that at the restaurant, but now, it's ex- now that, that, that is every restaurant that's ever had that name is gonna have that same type of experience. In, in, our, in our lives, sometimes we, we decide and make a decision on something or someone and that, that dictates the, 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 whole, the whole group of us. You've probably heard it said before, I don't like the church because it's full of hypocrites. How many of you have heard that before? Yeah, I don't want to go to church, just a bunch of hypocrites. So they encountered somebody that was very hypocritical. And because of that, now every Christian ever in the church is now lumped into that same category. And if we're not careful, we can all fall into that type of attitude, that type of lifestyle and that reaction. And if our faith is gonna become strong, 
we've got to see past this. And I'm going to walk you through the scripture. And James tells us how we can look past this impartiality, this favoritism, this prejudice. James 2, chapter, one, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to just start with the first four verses. And he says this, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But you say to the poor man, no, you stand over there or you can sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So we'll stop there. We'll dive more into that passage in just a minute. But I want you to realize James had a really great teacher growing up. It was his teacher, his mentor. It was also his brother. And his name was Jesus. Jesus was James' brother. He had a great teacher. So leading up to this letter, James was able to see Jesus live out his life to not show favoritism. Jesus in word and in action was true. So James was there when he heard Jesus say, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He also heard, I can imagine James being there at the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So James was able to hear from, from Jesus himself these incredible words that reminded us to not show favoritism, to not be partial. So God's perspective is this. People who are rich in faith are going to respond in love. People who are rich in faith are gonna respond in love. You wanna grow as a believer? You wanna grow in, in Christ? You wanna grow uh, in, in, in who you are and in your faith and how you walk that out? The more we respond, it's going to show love. It's going to show the love of God. Look at verse five as we continue in the passage. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? So there's an idea here that our response to people, to anyone, needs to be a response in love. Now, I wanna, I wanna just take a side note here. This is not a passage slamming those that are rich and those that are poor or, or lifting up those that are poor. What, what we need to understand is James is letting us know it's irrelevant whether you're rich or whether you're poor when it comes to who we are in Christ. What we need to understand is, hey, you have money. That's incredible. That's wonderful. We want to accept you in. And we, and we want you to be a part of, of God's family. We want you to be a part of the church. Oh, you're poor? Hey, you come sit right next to this rich man. Because under, the, under Christ, you're the same. And that's the way we want to view, that's the way we want to be viewed and we want to view others is that it's not about whether you're rich or you're poor. That wasn't, that wasn't James' point. His point was, how are we going to elevate or lift up people who are rich just simply because of their money and not do the same with those that are poor? What he's trying to do is, is level the playing field here. Saying it doesn't matter if you have money or not, 
we all need Jesus, right? We'll talk more about that in a minute. So that takes us to the human perspective. Partiality or showing favoritism makes no practical sense. Partiality makes no practical, practical sense. Look at verse six and seven. Just, uh, but you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? Now, I don't think any of us would purposely elevate or lift up someone who would, who would be speaking ill of the name of Jesus. Uh, but the reality is we have some people in, in our culture that are constantly just tearing down the church and tearing down the name of Jesus. And sometimes we're going to see their movies or we're, or we're talking about them on social media and how wonderful of a person or actor or, or leader or whoever they are but are, are they also tearing down the church? Are they tearing down the things of God? Man, we, 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 sh- we should be elevating people who follow Christ. We should be elevating those that speak good of the church and speak wonderful of the people of God. I'm not saying that we can't follow people that, that aren't Christians. I, I would hope that somehow in this world and in this life, they would come to know who Christ is because of maybe your example or something that you have said. But the reality is, if we give so much attention and so much honor and respect to those that are constantly tearing down the name of Jesus, have we missed the point of what it is to be a Christian and what it, what it looks to be someone who's loving others? So what does love really look like then? What does love really look like then? James starts this off in chapter, uh, chapter two, verse eight. He says, if you really keep the law, the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a law breaker. Now those are both pretty extreme sins, whether it's adultery or someone who is murdered. Those are, I hope hope we can say that that we would never do either, either one of those things. But the reality is those are two of 10 commandments. And the reality is, is there anyone in this room that's perfect? Any, anybody? Anybody who says, I'm perfect? No, of course not. We're not. Why? Why can we say that we're not perfect? Because we understand that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We have all messed up. Whether it's the little white lie that you told when you were a kid, or whether it is something like adultery or murder, it's irrelevant in the sight of God because one stain, one, one sin makes us not perfect, makes us not holy. And that makes us in need of Jesus. And we are all in need of Jesus, right? Do you believe that today, that we all need Jesus? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of, of uh, Reels or TikTok, whatever you watch. And I, there's one that's pretty popular right now that's going around and says, you know, someone asked me the other day, 
Do you need Jesus to get to heaven? Girl, you need Jesus to go to Walmart. And that's the reality for all of us, right? We all need Jesus. Not just, not just to go to heaven. We need Jesus every day of our lives. And I don't, it doesn't, look, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're white or you're black. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian five days or five decades. We all need Jesus. And I don't, amen. And what James is trying to show us here is that we don't need to be the reason someone chooses not to accept Jesus because we're stiff arming them. And so what he's saying is, look, you gather them all in, you bring them all in. I don't care if they're rich, poor, black, white, Republican, Democrat, fat, skinny, old, young, it doesn't matter. They need Jesus just as much as you do. So at Pathway Church, we have this, this saying that we do. It's, it's, it's our purpose statement. And it, it's gonna kick us off in understanding how do we love? Well, we say we are for God and our city. We're for God and we're for our city. So what does that mean? The number one, that means that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we love him first and foremost. And then just, just after God, we love our neighbor as ourself. As verse eight just talked about. We love God and we love others. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the great commission, we are to go and make disciples of all nations. So no matter who they are, God loves them and they need Jesus. And we, we, we love God enough to go tell them. You know, love works only when it's in God's order. Look, we've got to understand that we have to love God first in order for us to be able to love others. Because I can't love others the way my human flesh desires to love others. I have to understand the love of God first before I can go and love others. And it's the same way as, as who we are in the church. Once we understand the love of God, man, we can open the door for us to love others in a way that we never believed or thought we could. Because then we can, turn, we can throw off favoritism. We can throw off partiality. It's very difficult for any of us to have that kind of love without first understanding God's love for us and our ability to love him in response. Do you, do you realize the way in which we love others is simply a response to his love for us? The second thing is we are all breakers of the law. We talked about that just a second ago. So we're for God in our city. That's the first thing we have to understand. Second thing is we have to understand that we are all breakers of the law. We just talked about the fact that we are all in need of Jesus. So if, if we are all breakers of the law, no matter who we are, there's, there's no one perfect, no, not one, then we understand that we are really all on the same level playing field when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. So no matter what's going on in, on the external, no matter what preferences we're bringing with us, when it comes to our relationship with Christ, they just don't matter. It's about who we are in Him and we are all breakers of the law. So if we are all breakers of the law and none of us are perfect, then number three, then we are all in need of mercy. We are all in need of mercy. We are all in need of what the Savior has for us. Look at verse 12. Speak 
and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives us freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. So what, what exactly is mercy? What does that mean? Let's break that down. Mercy means this, the proactive display of God's love to the guilty and the compassion extended to those in need. I love the word proactive there because it's always working. It's always there. It's always on display. The proactive display of God's love to the guilty and the compassion extended to those in need. If we're guilty, and we have all said that we are today, then it's this mercy that we need. You know, Romans 5, 8, I think says it the very best. Paul writes this in Romans 5, 8. He says, while Kyle was still a sinner, while Andrick was still a sinner, while Cody was still a sinner, Christ died for me and for Andrick and for Cody and for you and for the entire world while you were still a sinner. So what does that tell us about the church and how we should behave and how we should act when it comes to people who come into this building? What it tells me is they don't have to clean up their life to come to Jesus. What it tells me is, is in their sin, in their place where they are not in a relationship with Christ, we can still love them. Now, we want them to come to know Christ and let Christ be the one to do the life change in them. I love doing what I do. I love being a pastor at this church. I love being able to lead worship and occasionally do this and preach the word. But I tell you what, there is nothing that Kyle is going to do to create life change in another person. Nothing I'm gonna be able to do. There's nothing that you can do that can make life change permanent in someone's, in someone's heart and life. Jesus is the only one that can make life change permanent. So with that said, we want to do our best to create the best environment for people to come into this place and receive the gospel, to receive what Christ has to offer for them, for you, for me. But it's only Christ that's going to be able to do the change that needs to take place. My, my, my goal, my job, my responsibility as a Christian is not to judge their external, to judge the sin that's going on on the outside, to judge the change that needs to take place. Man, I wanna encourage it. I wanna give them the tools that they need to create that life change. But it's only gonna be Jesus that does it. Only Jesus has the, has the authority, has the power to create the life change that needs to take place. So while you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, Christ died for us. He showed us the grace and the mercy that we would need. The only way we can understand how to love others is by receiving the love of God first. I look, I look out across this room today, looking over at airport, Foley campus today, We wanna be people who love each other and accept one another to bring them closer to a relationship with Jesus. But if we don't understand the love of God first, 
then we're not gonna be able to love others the way he desires for us to do that. A.W. Tozer, he's a writer, a theologian, writes a lot about worship. But he says this about mercy. Mercy is infinite. It's an exhaustible energy within the divine nature of God, which disposes him to be actively compassionate. He has always dealt in mercy with mankind and will always, always deal in justice when his mercy is despised. His mercy is infinite. It's inexhaustible. In other words, there is not enough sin in this world that could deplete God of all of his mercy and grace. It's not that God has mercy or God has grace. God is mercy. God is grace. God is love. But the, the word of God and, and, and A.W. Tozer's message here reminds us that God is also a God of justice. And when mercy is not met, justice must ensue. So for us, church, what does that look like? What, are, what, are, what do we conclude from this passage? Number one, genuine faith, real faith, real faith in God looks and lives beyond the externals. Man, we live in a culture right now that it is all about the outside. It is all about social media. Come on, let's just be honest. Social media, it's the highlight reel. And we all put the best pictures and the best situations and the best arguments because we have time to sit there and type it out the way we want to with not a whole lot of pushback. But it's the highlight reel of our lives. And we get so used to this external that we begin to judge ourselves and others based on how that looks. We begin to compare ourselves, our marriages, our families, our churches, based on what we see on those highlight reels. Nothing wrong with pictures. Nothing wrong in general with social media. I have accounts, I use them, that's wonderful. But don't let that become the litmus test for your life and your faith in Jesus. Don't let that become what you're consumed with every day to let you know how to act towards others or even how to act towards yourself. So genuine faith looks and lives beyond the external. Number two, to love others impartially requires an acknowledgement of our guilt and an appreciation of God's mercy. So it's, it's a twofold thing there. We have to understand who we are and then we have to understand who God is. Because when we understand who we are, we understand that we need God. So we don't live in the external. We understand that we aren't perfect and we are in need of a savior. And then we understand that Jesus is that savior. He is the one that can heal us. He's the one that can save us. And he's the one that has that grace and that mercy. And then number three, 
The ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Well, what does that mean? Cody, you're on a different level than I am as far as where we are, me on the platform and you on the floor. So would you just, would you come, come give me a hug? I want to minister to you right now. Would you just come give me a hug? No, I need you to stand up. Come on. No, no. I, I can't, I, I, I have no relationship here. This would be difficult. Can you walk up here? Would you help me thank Cody Betzold, our student pastor here at Moffitt Campus? next-gen pastor extraordinaire. What an awesome time you guys had at camp. It was awesome. So now that you're on my level, kind of, uh, would you give me, give me a hug? Yeah, that's right. The, the, the man hug, the two-tap man hug. That's right. I can, I, can, I can have a relationship with him. I can minister to him. He can minister to me. We can, we can embrace. Why? Because now we're on the same level. How many of us are walking around thinking we're so high and mighty or Maybe we think we are just so much lower than everybody else, we can't be impactful in someone's life. I want you to know this. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. Jesus loves you. And when we get to the foot of the cross, we're all on the same playing field. We are all level at the foot of the cross. All these external things, they don't matter. They don't matter when it comes to Jesus and the cross. In church, it shouldn't matter when it comes to who we are as the church. I want every type of person to walk into this door, not because I believe I can save them, but because I believe that we're gonna point them to Jesus who can save them. So the people that are in your world, in your circle of influence, the person that's at your work, maybe even the person in your family that doesn't know Jesus, are you judging them on their externals? It doesn't matter if they are you. Let them judge you. Sure, let them judge you. Because guess what? You've got something that they need. And I don't want to do anything in my life, whether it be through social media, whether it be through a relationship, whether it be by words I say or actions that I do, that would keep anybody away from knowing who Jesus is. I don't want to do anything in my life to push someone away from Jesus. It could be just a simple post on social media that would make someone think, if that's the way that they're gonna act, then I don't want anything to do with the Jesus that they know. And I don't wanna be that person. I wanna be someone who loves them in spite of their external, loves them in spite of their sin, and let Jesus be the one to come in and clean them up and change their life and do, a, do an incredible work. So the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And when we, when we understand that, when we grab onto that, makes us all a little bit more equal in each other's eyes, which we should be. Because guess what? We're all equal in the eyes of Jesus. Would you stand with me? I wanna pray for you today. And I have two, two questions or two prayers that I want to pray. Number one, if you don't know or understand the grace and mercy of Jesus today, I want, I would love for you to come to know who he is. It's hard for us to go love a world, go love Mobile, go love Foley, go love uh, South Haven when we are not in love with Jesus. Let's fall in love with him first and let him show us how to love others. That's the first prayer that I have. The second is this. 
Do you, are you tempted to be superficial? Are you tempted to look at the outward, the external, the things that don't matter to Jesus? Because when you walked in today, the Bible tells us that God is looking, he's searching for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And he didn't, and he didn't look at you today on your external outfit or the color of your skin or who you voted for. That's not what he looked at today. You know what he looked at? He looked at your heart. Where's your heart today? And we need to, we need to learn, all of us need to learn how to look at someone else from their heart, not their external. James is really great at, at encouraging us to teach us that, hey, you know what? There's mercy. There's mercy to be had and there's mercy to be given. Let's be recipients of God's mercy, but let's be, let's be those that give God's mercy to us. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.